I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the Times Opinion Podcast. My name is Tim Montgomery, and this week I'm joined by our political editor, Francis Elliott, chief leader writer, Giles Wattel, and columnist, Libby Purvis. All four political parties are promising to cut taxes after the next election, despite a deficit which is stubbornly refusing to fall. Worse, they pretend they're doing so to make work pay for lower-income households, but that's just not true. Vote for no tax cuts. China has been watching Vladimir Putin's brinkmanship in Eastern Europe. It sees what can be accomplished through bullying indecisive Western democracies and has decided to have a go itself. Banning British MPs from visiting Hong Kong is a case in point. It's time to get angry with Beijing. We need to think more intelligently about paedophiles. Some men, even a few women, are unnaturally and dangerously attracted to children. Fact. Not all of them abuse. Not all of them watch the terrible online films. But for those still innocent who are struggling and hating themselves for the desire, there should be confidential and accessible support. In Germany, there's a project doing this, and we need it here. We shouldn't wait until they offend and a child suffers before we offer therapy. Well, those are our three topics for today, but we're going to start with the one that you suggested, Francis Elliott. We're recording this podcast on Tuesday, a day before George Osborne has got up to deliver his autumn statement. But I think we know a lot of it has <laughs> been pretty uh, comprehensively um, leaked. But I suppose your, your, your main point is that there's a lot of deception going on here about the deficit and about tax cuts. But I kind of wonder who's, who's deceiving who, because... Do you think we're being complicit in our, well, uh, in our own deception? If we were told the truth by any political party about the parlous state of the public finances, if we were told there was going to be massive tax rises, would we actually vote for that party? Don't we quite enjoy being having so our this is tummies a- tickled? <laughs> I was, it is a little bit like kind of believing in Santa, isn't it? You don't quite want the, the dream to die. But look, let's leave to one side the, um, whether or not it's electorally salient or, or uh, a good idea to campaign on no tax cuts. But let's just be absolutely clear that if we're going to believe in Santa, you know, we know what, you know, we know quite who's dressing up and what they're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't quite know just how bad the public finances are going to be yet, but we have got a pretty good idea. It's going to be a deficit of around 90 billion and worse 
the OBR, the Office for Budget Responsibility, that's the government's independent financial watchdog, are going to reclassify a large portion of that as more structural, so enduring, mm. not something that can be grown our way out of. So that they really, we do actually need spending cuts and or tax rises to reduce, to reduce that more stubborn structural deficit. And you know, we've got a, a situation where all four parties are offering um, tax cuts worth between 13 billion, that's the top range, that's UKIP, although actually people think it could be as high as 30 billion, yeah. down to, to Labour's slightly more modest um, 900 million tax cuts. I mean, none of them, <laughs> none of them make any sense. <laughs> and and my, uh, the, the, so the, Labour's being the most fiscally responsible, it at, is. Least, at least in that one respect. Strangely, yeah, mm. although it, it's, um, its tax cut delivers the least for the least well-off um, households, it's mm. £4 a week, uh, it's all that 10p starting rate tax delivers so let's just you know let's just be on and, and the, the other thing is one of the things i just cannot understand is why george osborne chose to announce that he could do the entire deficit reduction on 100 percent spending cuts this just seems to be bizarre political positioning for me and they're sticking to it isn't it because the conservative party as a whole won't wear further tax rises because Yes, he'll deliver or promises to deliver the rest of the deficit reduction as 100% spending cuts. But in this parliament, it's been about 30% tax rises. Mm. And the tax rises have actually let him down. If you look at these spending cuts, he's kept on course with spending cuts. What has really underperformed is revenues, mm. partly because of the, the weakness of the Eurozone economy and partly because we seem to have this problem of low pay where income tax revenues aren't coming online in the way that was expected. Well, and but that's right. But everybody, you know, the, the dogs in the street know that that means that VAT is almost certainly going to have to rise. And their, their formulation on this is, is frankly deceptive. So you, you, Ed Ball's repeated question to George Oswald that again wasn't answered. Yeah. Um, we um, have no plans. We don't think we need to do this. And you, you, it's exactly what they said. Your gut the is thing. that if the Tories get back, they will raise VAT again. My, my gut is that, this, that this, their position is, like so much of what they say now, advanced in anticipation of a coalition negotiation. So yeah. they take a position which they know they don't have to deliver. Yeah. So that they, 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 George Osborne in his heart of hearts knows that it's gonna be, the tax rises will have to be part of the deficit reduction package, but he hopes to blame the Liberal Democrats for having to insist on the VAT rise. So Libby Purvis, after the next general election, we have a Tory Lib Dem coalition say, and the Lib Dem say, well, we didn't want to cut welfare, but the Tories insist that we do it. And the Tories say, we didn't want to put taxes up on council tax and it's higher earners, but the Liberal Democrats made us do it. Is that where we're heading? Some form of that, with perhaps the party name slightly different, but quite a tough fiscal settlement around the corner? Aye, oh, quite possibly. But I mean, the, frankly, this whole thing just makes me want to bang my head on the table. And, and uh, at risk of um, of channelling uh, Mrs Thatcher in her palmy days, the, the whole housewife thing kind of kicks in. So much is so badly and so wastefully managed. That's what drives me nuts. There, there's a terribly uh, good column today about you know how our, our leaders simply do not have the, the training and the, the sort of risk assessment abilities and uh, that, that we need need but you, you look at the NHS you look at the the the, the amount of in, in every public authority the amount of stuff which is done entirely for reasons of bureaucracy for reasons of back covering for re, you know that the, the tax system itself is chaos you talk about putting up VAT oh well that's lovely a lot of that is completely circular I charge VAT to the Times the Times claims it back as an expense a lot of people have to sort of work to make mm. this work I just want 
sort of a really basic thought about what we waste and I do not think that happens I just think you get tax up tax down tax up tax down you know you are politics sounding, you it's are nonsense. sounding very Thatcherite you see? so you largely want there to is, cut more there you think is there's no an awful alternative lot of... <laughs> <laughs> very, that was very good no better better <laughs> management better management Tim I mean I, I, I don't I mean it, I, I'm not an economist but I can see waste in the way the public life is managed all around me all the time Charles West Charles Patel, is this credible? We often hear that Labour people say that they just have to crack down on tax avoidance. Now Libby Thatcher Purvis is saying we have to get rid of waste in the public sector. These things are often said, not much of it is delivered. Tax avoidance, though, uh, a very important subject that we cover at length and investigatively at the Times, I think would only ever deliver marginal gains. I'm entirely with Libby in whatever guise uh, she chooses to be on, <laughs> on waste. I'm, I'm struck, though, by a couple of uh, American comparisons. Um, with a substantially lower basic and top rate of tax and substantially higher defence spending and now higher health spending, too, the states is managing to bring down its uh, structural deficit. And uh, you can see the political pressure for more efficient government, and you can see it in tiny things like efforts to compress forms onto one sheet of paper. Now, I'm not suggesting that we can solve all, all our fiscal problems by compressing forms onto one sheet of paper, but I do think that very often international comparisons are useful, and that one in particular. America's made some pretty big cuts in its defence budget. Yes, but it, it's well. still in terms of uh, percent of GDP, roughly double ours. Yeah, okay. So where does the, what's the politics of this, Francis Elliot? Will George Osborne face any consequences for acting like a, Brown, a Brownian chancellor, really? Because well, we've just had Gordon Brown formally say that he's departing the stage. But <laughs> in a way, his legacy lives no, no, on, doesn't it? Spend, yes, spend, yes. spend on the NHS, spend on road infrastructure. You know, there's, there's an awful lot of spending and fiscal stimulus going on under a supposedly conservative government. For sure, um, although it's all kind of recycled and re-announced money. Well, that was very Gordon Brown. That was well. indeed, yeah. Uh, don't even get me started on the NHS announcement and the double counting and the various apples and pears things they were doing there. But um, th surely they, the, the politics are that they are so far ahead on economic polling and economic competence that they think that they can essentially spend part of that kind of goodwill and trust in making mm -hmm. fairy tale announcements. Um, I, I, I don't so much object to the to, to, to the to the infrastructure payment and, the, and what they're doing this week. It's 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 more this idea of. Uh, that, that somehow you can deliver cuts to frontline, to to non-protected um, departments of about 37 billion. In fact, we'll fi we'll find out there's more. I think um, this week to uh, over the next three years, and then on top of that, deliver a, a, a tax package which will work, which costing 7.2 billion every year. I mean, I just think that that is just dishonest. Yeah. And who would you say was the most honest party? You've obviously, feel <laughs> the Tories' promise of tax cuts is is wrong. Gosh, what are you, the, you said yeah. Labour are promising the. The fewest tax um, cuts. On this, I think I think Labour are actually being yeah. most straightforward. Uh, but, but none of the parties, at least the Tories, have identified some spending cuts, and of course they've had a record of making spending cuts. Yes. Yeah. Well, at the weekend, the Chancellor was suggesting that um, 
that uh, the, these forecasts of, of £37 billion cuts in, in non-protected public services, so that's police, councils, whatever, didn't take account of, of welfare spending. Well, <laughs> he didn't point out that he himself hadn't explained how you're going to take that kind of money. Mm. And that's where the real money is. I mean, it's lovely to compress things on forms on a single sheet of paper, but it's not going to save £12 billion a year, let's face it, whereas freezing kind of in tax credits and stuff like that does save you know literally billions of pounds a year and that's where that that's where the pain will come okay well that's a depressing thought to end on i do fear that whoever's elected the cuts to come are probably deeper and more menacing than the cuts we've already sure. made let's travel across to the other part of the world um other half of the world to hong kong and china charles Wutal. um We've had this extraordinary um, uh, story in the last couple of days of British MPs who are wanting to visit Hong Kong, partly to investigate the human rights democracy protests going on there, being banned from entering the country. Uh, you're now our chief leader writer. Congratulations on that um, appointment. And in Tuesday's paper, there's an editorial entitled Beijing Bully, which is encouraging David Cameron to voice his concern about uh, what China has done. But voicing our concern, that's pretty meek, isn't it? it it's not much, but it, it's, it's more, if done properly, than we've done so far. The, the point is that, that he did make a few cautious remarks, uh, saying it was counterproductive to ban this group from the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, to withhold visas and ban them visiting Hong Kong. But one can make two points. It has been clear since September that Beijing intended to withhold these visas and uh, to wait three months before any cabinet figure uh, made a public protest over this is, uh, is unacceptable. Um, it, it is customary also to give the Foreign Office a hard time for not um, making more forceful protests earlier in the, in the process. But in fairness to them, uh, they cannot very well do so without cover from someone in the cabinet. And the ambiguity in the British response achieves for China precisely what they're aiming for, which is to recalibrate what is acceptable. This is completely unacceptable. It's an entirely legitimate visit. Ordinary tourists don't need any visa at all to, to, to visit Hong Kong. Each one of these people could simply go there as a tourist and, and, would, uh, and be allowed in. This is, this is China trying it on, uh, lecturing Britain on its status as a post-colonial power. We know that. This is nothing to do with uh, Hong Kong's former status as a colony and everything to do with its current status defined in a treaty that both countries signed, which specifically requires pr progress towards universal suffrage uh, by 2017. Uh, which will be meaningless under the new rules introduced this year by Beijing, which require that all candidates be basically vetted by Beijing before going up for the post of uh, chief executive there. We never thought, though, that uh, totalitarian China, which doesn't allow its own people to vote, would ever allow voting in Hong Kong, though. You couldn't have this sort of antibody attached to the country that would embrace democracy. We didn't ever believe that, that was going to happen, did we? Uh, this agreement was signed in 84. In 89, there was a very real hope uh, uh, and, and possibility of rapid, deep reform, if not revolution, across China. Ever since then, there may have been more, more hope than expectation, but it's been serious hope that somehow this vast and in so many ways 
successful country could uh, move towards reform. And if there's one place which obviously should serve, could serve as a, as a lab for compromise between Western liberal democracy and Chinese totalitarianism, it's Hong Kong. Uh, and we do have these treaties, and you may be right. Uh, it may be naive to Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pose that uh, Beijing is going to allow the uh, treaties to the spirit of the treaties to stand, but it, it, it is a solemn duty of this committee to, to persist until it gets in there and does its job. Libby Purvis, would you like to see us take a more hawkish view against China? Because we're not, are we? Because really what we want is to trade with China. I we are an enfeebled economy and we need their business. And I'm afraid we'll, we'll sweep this under the carpet. That's the reality, is it not? I hope it's not. I'm absolutely with Giles. I think, I think you know, it should have taken a, a sharp, quick angry response to this i think these young uh these young protesters in hong kong absolute heroes i i i'm no china expert at all but i was there for several weeks during the year of democracy war mm-hmm. um for the today program we brought we were the first ever live broadcast not only from china but in china because they were even recording the news uh, back then nothing was live and everyone sort of sat around watching and all the people we met were just a fire with excitement about the opening up, the end, the four modernizations, you know, and the ending of the whole sort of uh, sort of um, clenched, inward-looking China, which they'd grown up in as children. And I believe that China needs every China at the sort of basic, you know, humane level, the the, the ordinary people needs every kind of encouragement from the West that it can get towards decent behavior, towards observing treaties, towards democracy. And I think our government should be one of the voices sort of saying to them effectively, do you want to be a pariah state? Do you want us to ban it? your businessmen from visiting here yeah. during this period? But we won't, though. They know that that would be an empty <clears throat> but you're, you're threat. Very, you're very defeatist today, I am Tim. A I'm a defeatist. bit worried about you. <laughs> in every direction can't trust politicians can't trust the chinese no i i think giles is right you know a, a really a really strong firm attitude god knows we've got nothing more than attitude would at least have helped okay francis Elliot, i'm accused of being a pessimist i would describe myself as a realist on this i would love to think that the british government would do what giles has commended and libby has cheered on it's but it's just not going to happen it's a slightly it? strange cause as well isn't it i mean you know sir richard Osway, bless him i mean 
although my understanding is Richard Ottaway, the chairman of the Foreign Affairs, for the few listeners who do not know Yes, sorry, sorry, no, I should obviously make that clear, who's called this decision an affront to every free man and woman in the free world. I can see that Cameron's in an awkward position here. It's my understanding that he did actually order that toughening of the language yesterday. Um, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's an endless game with Beijing. They are clearly, um, they they clearly see the UK as 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 an ideal Western power against which to test the limits of their authority mm-hmm. uh, and, and what they can get away with. And Giles is absolutely right. This is a part of a of a huge long-term project that they have of recalibrating what is and what isn't acceptable. I mean, the actual thing that, that is worth fighting for, I think, is uh, the principle that the joint declaration that we signed with China in 1984 bestows on the UK some ongoing duty and obligation to monitor that implementation of that. And it just seems if you can't send your Foreign Affairs Committee to, to assess what's going on with a pro-democracy, uh, that is absolutely, you know, so there is a principle here. So actually, I'm talking myself into to a bit more, yeah, a bit more. I think we should definitely push back on this. But look, they're not going to change. This is a country that negotiated with Ed Llewellyn, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, about the length of the red carpet when their head of state came here. I mean, they will just do everything all the time to push every button that we have. And your wider point, uh, which I think Francis just alluded to, uh, Giles Wittal, is that this is in the context of... China seeing the West as weak, and so if you look at um, you know the UK Parliament's vote against military action in Syria despite the crossing of the red line, and um, the European Union's weak response to the invasion of Ukraine, the feebleness of the the sanctions, the fact that America's uh, allowed Iran to play down the clock on nuclear weapons, China looks at the West and sees a set of democracies that it can push around. This isn't just about Cameron and China, is it? It's about the West and the rest. Yes. Let's park for a second what we disagreed on last time on the podcast, which is the extent to which Obama himself was responsible for this, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and look at the EU, which is extraordinary. The world's largest trading bloc Uh, deliberately still a generation after the Cold War come back to defence spending, spending as little as it can get away with, with one honourable exception, and riding, staying under the the, the American nuclear umbrella and and more broadly security umbrella. That is uh, a pushover Putin is finding and and China is finding. I'm not suggesting that we're building up towards World War III already, but as a sort of security background. And and the the other point of the the big picture is this is this extraordinary phrase that Xi Jinping has been using he has been encouraging his his diplomats and ministers to engage in big country diplomacy with Chinese characteristics which our Beijing correspondent Leo Lewis tells me means basically look out guys here comes the Chinese swagger now we may think that we've been experiencing that uh, for the last 10 years but I the, the the broader message is get ready for more and do you think because the economy the Chinese economy is it's got a growth rate we, we would still be jealous of but it's moderating from something like seven percent a year to perhaps three to five that swagger might grow because in a sense the Chinese government presenting a slightly more nationalist patriotic face not just to the world but to its own people to compensate for the the slowdown in the growthocracy there's that and also to sustain growth it is looking more uh, to uh, boosting domestic markets so to that extent, uh, it is marginally less dependent on global trade than, than it used to be. One uh, point of optimism, though, uh, the, the pro-Beijing party in Taiwan just lost heavily in an election.
Well, that's that. That that is some some good news. And I hope you noticed before we move on. I did not make a single criticism of Barack Obama today. He's not sacred. <laughs> Libby uh, Purvis, our, our third and final topic is is yours. And can I just say to all those who are listening, who are Times um, readers, and I hope you all are or will be soon if you go to the times.co.uk slash comment central not only there can you subscribe to this podcast via itunes but you can access some of the background articles to what we've been discussing today and one of those articles which i will put up there is libby purvis's article on monday about treatment of paedophilia and i, I thought it was a beautiful sensitive piece libby i don't know whether we are um, going to disagree much around this <laughs> table today but i would encourage um, readers, listeners to, to access it. But just summarise your basic argument for, for us now. Well, there, there is disagreement because uh, there, there is a tremendous hysteria about um, child sex offenders at every level now. And it's very interesting that we don't, media very often don't make any distinction between what you might describe as on a level of sort of shoplifting, you know, the minor touching things mm. and terrible, terrible rapes. You know, it's all, oh my God, a child sex offence. Um, it's been on my mind a while, this business, because I knew one very low-level uh, offender and visited him in prison because he's one of my children's teachers. And because there were there have been so many instances of suicide after men are accused, which is very often on a first-time offence, you know, not people who've been at it for years, as the legend goes, but who've actually sort of succumbed one night in the dusk in the, the you know, the, the chorister, whatever, um, you know, kissed a boy, and then you're reported, and then there's a panic, you're not allowed to go home, you're not allowed to see your own children. Uh, in some cases, you, you jump off the nearest bridge in front of the nearest train. Um, and there is a German project called Dunkenfeld, which was fleetingly touched on in a Channel 4 documentary, which is normally rather sort of nervy about the whole thing. Um, where they interviewed a man who admits he has these desires, he suffers from these desires, and he hates himself for it, and he doesn't want to do anything, and he's never done anything. He's never assaulted a child in any way. But what does he do? He basically goes to Germany. Uh, there's a project, you can look at don'toffend.org, a project where therapy is offered to people who are trying to fight these urges. Nobody knows why the urges occur. There are all sorts of legends, but mm. no one's quite sure. But if you are afraid you might do something dreadful, that you might succumb to this, you need to be able to go somewhere safely, be not judged, talk about it. Get There's a lot of evidence that this, that this works. In this country, there's a letter in the Times on Tuesday saying um, uh, that there is the thing here called circles where people can go and get some kind of, of advice and support. And it said, but it says, you know, with the full support of the police and probation service. But you see, the moment anybody thought that they're going to a circles thing was going to be notified to yeah, the police yeah. and probation service, then they're, they're not going to be a teacher, they're not going to be a health worker, that their, their job can go completely up in smoke, even if they're very, very, very low risk. And I think we need to look at this, we need to offer something else. And I think media have got a huge role to play here because we sensationalize even the tiniest cases we write about these people as if they are less than human as if once you have this urge you're basically doomed you're going to offend you know you're a rapist and the only place we treat them properly or attempt to is in prison and it's too late because you've blighted your life by then there may be some people listening Libby who will think yes sensitive compassionate position that you're advancing but the only way of keeping this problem under control is not to give it any sense of public um, official sanction, no sort of comfort to it, that it is completely taboo, it is completely beyond even discussion. And any sense that we understand the urge is somehow giving it licence. What, what do you I say to what, people I who worry what about I, that? What I would say is that you... Uh, 
we everybody has urges to do bad things this is just a particularly terrible one and it, it's not supporting it, it's not understanding it, it's not being kind and loving about it. These therapy groups are really quite tough. And I mean, if you read the accounts on the Project Dunkelfeld on, on the website, you read the accounts of the people, they are, uh, they have learnt somehow not to hate themselves, but to take an immense responsibility to say, I have, there's a wonderful one, Michael Manuel, I think it is, just a, I have responsibility, I understand now, no child, no young person can be ever given such a responsibility, they're never complicit. I have the responsibility. So he's got a kind of pride in the fact that he is not succumbing. And mm. people learn at what point to remove themselves. In therapy, you learn things, how to remove yourself from dangerous situations. You it's learn not, mental it's, techniques to it's not govern easy. your behavior. It's, 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 not, it's not cuddly. It's not somebody giving you a hug and saying, oh, you're not a bad person. Mm. You know, everyone has these thoughts. It's not like that. Okay. These are tough things. But the Germans are doing it. And um, it seems to be having some, gaining some traction there. And I, I really think we should think about it instead of this disgusting, prurient, enjoying reading and writing endlessly about the disgusting details yeah. of offences and then doing nothing. Charles Francis, either of you have any qualms about what um, Libby is recommending or are you, are you <laughs> as impressed as I'm I am? I'm to total agreement. I mean, mm. and it, and, uh, you know, as a, you know it, surely there is actually a very strong public protection argument here. I mean, you know, I would I want these guys to, you know, have access to therapy before they offend and to, to, to help them stop that. I mean, you know, we're not going to wish this away. We're not going to we're not going to condemn this away. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and I, I wonder whether or not the the Internet isn't a in a sense, you know, an avenue for this. I mean, I know ultimately it has to be face-to-face -face therapy, but if, you well, know... The, if, the internet, a source of the explosion of well, sexualization could also be part of the solution. Could also be part of the solution. I mean, if, you know, if, if instead of, you know, messages on your screen saying, you know, warning you're going, you know, to hell in a handcart, it says, you know, um, redirects you to the Duncanfeld site, that would surely be a good idea. Yeah, I mean, the one thing, though, we're all political wonks sitting here, or you, you three are anyway, um, what political party is ever going to say, and by the way, we're putting a little bit of NHS money <laughs> into supporting this? People go nuts, won't they? I, I don't know if you, if, you, if you sold it as, you know, public protection. It's, I mean, you know, obviously, yes. It's important that the starting point is the taboo, and to that extent, I can ride against the tide at this table. Remember, and, and, and I think that that taboo could actually erode quite quickly. I'm 48 and I grew up at a time when Lolita was regarded as uncontroversial, terrific literature and when minor um, fiddlings, molestations at uh, single-sex sex prep schools sometimes resulted in the teacher being asked to leave, more often didn't. So, and that's a generation ago. Uh, we're at a much better consensus now, uh, which is the starting point is the taboo. But it, uh, and, and, and I think I can agree with everyone that the, that the, that the hysteria, the school gates hysteria is overdone. But that has to be the starting point. Um, Clearly, it is for the for the people attending uh, these sessions in in Germany, but uh, mores have changed. Um, Richard Richard Dawkins, in other contexts, makes the argument that they do change uh, quickly, and we we can't allow this to go back. I'm sorry, we are going to have to leave 
you having the last word on that subject but uh, as I say do, do encourage everyone to go to thetimes.co.uk slash comment central to read a little bit more about that topic but all it leaves me to do is to thank Francis Libby Giles my producer Dave McGuire and most of all you for listening until next week when we're back with another set of topical subjects goodbye thank you for downloading to discover more head to thetimes.co.uk